Thank you for listening to this podcast from Bethel Family Worship Center. I want to minister on the thought today of make the right choice. Everyone say, make the right choice. Father, I ask today that you would ignite our heart. I sense your strength here. Your anointing is here. I thank you, Lord, that your word said that when two or three gather in your name, that you are found there in the midst of your people. And we are here together, Lord, ignited by your love and passion for us. And we return thanks to you and ask you, God, to help us not only to be a hearer of the word, but a doer of this word, that in all practicum we would live it out this week. And all the glory goes to the Lord and the church say amen. amen. Good to see my friends from Michigan City, Paul and Melinda Pickens, who are here in Indianapolis. Give them a God bless you today. We love you. Love you so much. All of our family and friends and visitors, we just love you and God bless you. Bethel loves you. We are honored that you are here. You have a choice to make. Somebody say, I have a choice to make. Say, I have a choice. We have a choice to make. We cannot decide not to decide. We cannot decide not to decide. And I know that there is a spirit of indecisiveness where we don't know if we want to move forward. We don't know if we want to go back. But the signs that I put on the screen this morning are just ideas of signs that you are faced with even in your own life. From Sunday to Saturday, you see signs. All the signs that are on the screen are giving directions. Most of the signs that you encounter on the interstate are giving directions. Don't text and drive is a sign that gives directions. So the signs that you look at and that are, you are faced with are paths that lead to blessings or paths that lead to cursings. Come on, somebody. And there are times as you are identifying the signs in front of you that are strategically placed there, whether by law enforcement, by government officials, by cities, or even by the Lord. Those signs put you at a place that we call a crossroads. And I'm not going to ask if anybody's ever been to a crossroads because I would dare say all of us understand what a crossroad is. That I must make a decision which direction I'm going to go. I cannot remain at the crossroads. I can't stay there too long. I can't live in that crossroads too long. So what you have to understand is that when you come to a crossroad, you have a decision to make. I, I would dare say that a crossroad is a no parking zone. When I pull up at the airport to pick up all my friends and family and the people that use me for my location. <laughs> the police officer won't let you sit too long outside of baggage claim. 
So I tell all my family and friends, when you arrive in Indianapolis, text me when you have your bag at baggage claim. Then proceed to door six. I will be all the way at the end because the police don't like to walk down that far. I'll be all the way. Come on, somebody. No, I know some of you thinking, Pastor, you're not sanctified. Y'all keep praying for me. All the way at the end, but it's a no parking zone. In other words, I can't just sit there and have lunch. I can pull up and wait a little minute, but I can't wait forever. Because mm, somebody will inadvertently come and say, excuse me, sir, you got to go. And then I have to circle the whole airport. Come on, somebody been there? And you're getting mad at the people you're picking up. If I have to circle this thing one more time. Come on now, that's a whole nother message. Anybody been there? I don't know why they take it so long. The gift shop, they should have done that at the last place. <laughs> but it is a no parking zone. You can't stay there for long. And a lot of people park at a path of decision. Hear me. They park at a path of decision and think that until they know what to do, they're just going to sit there. And they're just going to wait on the Lord. All this has been in my spirit this morning. But I want you to understand that that's not waiting on the Lord. When you are parked at a place until you know what to do, and you just say, I'm going to wait on the Lord, that's not moving forward and it's not moving backward. You are just at a place that you're not supposed to take up residence in. It is a no parking zone. It's not waiting on the Lord. In fact, I would dare say and offend somebody this morning that that is the path of called being lazy. Philippians chapter 3, verse 13, Paul would admonish us and say, I forget those things that are behind me, and I press on. I press on toward the mark of the prize of the upward call, which is in Christ Jesus. You've got to remember that Paul is speaking in verb terms, in action terms, because a verb <coughs> is an action word. And he said, I press on. I forget the things that are behind me, and I press on. I press on toward the mark of the prize. So Paul is his way of saying, I chose to follow him. I choose to follow him. Now, if you decide not to decide, there's a scripture or a revel, uh, out of the book of Revelation that in my opinion is a description of someone who has decided to park for a while and not make any movement. And it says like this, since you are neither hot nor cold, <coughs> I will spew you out of my mouth. And if ever there was a description for the people who call themselves Christians in the church of America today, it is the individual who is standing at the crossroads not making a decision. That's why I said, and I want you to write this down, you have to decide. Say, we have to decide. We have to choose for ourselves whom we will serve. 
if we choose to serve the Lord, the Bible says in John chapter 14 and verse 6 that there's only one way. Jesus said it like this, I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life, and no man comes unto the Father but by me. So if you make a decision to follow him, then you have chose the path of blessing. You have chose the forward motion and the action of going into the blessing of the Lord. Stay with me. And on the path to blessing, I'm not promising you that it's going to be an easy ride. I'm not saying that it's always going to be tiptoeing in the tulips for you. If somebody told you that the life of faith is a flawless joy ride, they lied to you. If somebody told you that it would always be easy peasy, they have lied to you. What I'm telling you is that on the path to blessing this narrow way, if you yield to the Lord, if you let him get out in front of you and let him do the leading and you then get in behind his will and walk according to the will of God, Jesus said, if any man come after me, my God, if any man come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross and follow me. If you follow Jesus, it's not going to be the easiest ride of your life. Come on, somebody. But it is going to be the path that you can go as fast as you want to because the blessings of God are waiting for you at the end of the journey. He can do more for me in a moment than I can do in months. He can do more for me in a day than I can do in a decade. He can do exceeding and abundantly above all that I can ask or think according to the power that worketh in me. He can do something in my past because he's the God of yesterday. He can do something now because he's the God of here and today. And he can already move me into my future and prepare a way when I can see the ability of God to live in his mercy and his goodness that will follow me all the days of my life. And I will rest in the house of the Lord forever. Somebody ought to give God praise. He is my yesterday, my today, and my tomorrow. There's only one way, and his name is Jesus. And when you put him first, you find his blessings. He said that his loving kindness is better than life. You have a choice to make. Deciding not to is not a choice you want to make. You have to make a decision. Choose him, and you will receive the promise of the Lord. Refuse him and you are embracing the curses of this world. So the first thing that you get on the road that is burdened and laden with curses is you get a caution sign. Everybody say caution. Anybody ever seen this sign? It's alerting you that there's some danger up ahead. It's alerting you to be watchful on all sides. No wonder the apostle said to be sober and to be vigilant. Be watchful on all sides to know where you're at. There are certain parts of town you got to be watchful on all sides. Certain part of the country you got to be watchful on all sides. Come on now. There's certain rows in the church. I mean, there's... Might have said, caution, brother. Danger up ahead. 
The Bible said in Deuteronomy chapter 12 and verse 32 that Moses cautioned the children of Israel and he said, this is a caution to you. Do not take away from the word of God. Don't add to it and don't take away from it. Don't be sitting on YouTube all week getting all this revelation from these YouTube prophets who have no covering and then making it a doctrine for yourself. Don't add to it and don't take away from the word of God. It is perfect. It is infallible. It changes not. There's another caution that you read in the Bible when the voice of the Lord said, and you will hear a still small voice behind you saying, this is the way. Walk you in it. It's so important to be able to hear the voice of the Lord because it is that still small voice that is the path to blessing and it's taking to you and it's leading you and if you're going the wrong direction, it's speaking loudly and it said, hey, you better turn around. Hey, turn your marriage around. Hey, turn your family around. Turn your thought life around. Turn everything around. You're going in the wrong direction. That's why we need to hear the voice of fathers in the faith and mothers in the faith, apostles, prophets, evangelists, and pastors and teachers who are equipping us for the ministry in the kingdom of God. When they speak, it's not just so they can hear their voice. It's to bring direction and say, listen, if you continue down this path, it might lead you into an addiction. If you continue down this path, it might lead you into death. If you live in this manner, it will bring destruction into your life. And so you're going the wrong way. So if you ignore the caution sign, then God will put the wrong way sign in front of you. And it is the wrong way sign that is alerting you that you are definitely headed in the wrong direction. You know, we like to go to church where they preach us a greasy grace message and a sloppy agape message and a feel-good message. It makes me feel really good about my sin. Makes me really feel good about all the wrong I know. Nobody has to tell me. I already know when I'm doing wrong. But this is why the Bible teaches us that faith cometh by hearing and hearing of the Word of God. And it is the Word of God that brings reproof and correction and rebuke and even sound doctrine. And so when God puts a wrong direction sign in front of us, church, he is telling us in, in Proverbs 14 and 12 that there is a path that seems right unto man, but the end thereof is death. So you have to understand that anytime God is releasing the wrong way sign, he is trying to tell you, I know it sounds good for you. I know it feels good on that app. I know that this person on that dating app looking good, but there is a path that seemeth right, but in the end, it leads to death. No one wants to amen me here. If you stay on the wrong road long enough, it'll kill everything in your life. If you stay on the wrong road long enough, it'll kill your promises. It'll kill your future. It'll kill your hope. It'll kill your dreams, and it will kill your peace of mind, and you won't be able to sleep well at night. Why? Why is it that we're living in a world that is suffering in so many different ways? It's because we are headed in the wrong way. We are headed in the wrong direction. If you ignore the wrong way sign, then God finally has to give you the stop sign. And the stop sign is where God gives you one last chance to repent. Repent. 
It's where you get to stop doing your will and turn around and do God's will. The Bible has connected us to this thinking in 1 John chapter 1 and 9, that if we confess our sin, that he is faithful and he's just to forgive us our sin. But whatever path you choose, what you have to understand first and foremost is that every one of us have a choice to make. Today I choose to believe. Today I choose to place my trust in Jesus. I choose to be blessed. Elbow your neighbor and say, I choose to be blessed. And isn't that what Moses was saying in the book of Deuteronomy when he said, today I've set before you life and death. Life and death are before all of us. We get to choose. Look at somebody smile. I know I'm telling you to look around, but I, I want you to engage yourself this morning and say, I, I get to choose. I get to choose. He said, I've set before you life and death. In other words, there's not three options and there's not one option. He said, there are two options. And I come to preach to this church that understands that God will make you serve him, but he wants you to serve him. And so there's only two options. You have to make up your mind. You have to make up your mind. And how many people do you know who have problems making up their mind? I mean, it could be the simpler things of where do you want to eat? I don't know where you want to eat. I don't know. Everything sounds the same to me. I, where do you want to eat? And nobody wants to make a decision. Well, I'll go there if you'll tell me where you want to go. Well, I don't know. Wherever you're going, just pick me up something. Well, what do you want when I get there? Just surprise me. How many know somebody? Don't point, but how many know somebody? They have a problem making up their mind. But I want you to know it really don't matter how long you wait there's still a decision that has to be made. Every day, I gotta make up my mind. In every generation, there comes a moment when you make up your mind. As a preacher's kid growing up in the church, I had to make up my mind. Finally, I got saved every revival. And as the preacher's kid, every evangelist called me out before the revival was over. I knew I was gonna get a word before the revival was over. I knew somebody was going to pour a gallon of oil on my head or make me stand on a King James Bible. And they're going to put a towel on my head and call me sanctified. And God has set me apart for the work. And no matter how uh, messed up I was, come on, somebody, I still had to make a decision for myself. In every generation, there comes a moment where you have to make up your mind. I'm going to serve the Lord. Every day, I got a choice that I have to make. And what's important is that you have to recognize, and I want you to write this down, that there is a difference between autonomy and omnipotent. And I, I want you to catch this because there is a, a total difference in the way you make your decision with an, an autonomous uh, mind or an omnipotent mind full of power. Autonomy is the fact that you have the free will to make a decision 
on your own. You are autonomous. You can uh, make a decision. You can, if you want to, that you can choose for you and I can choose for me. I'm not here uh, to make you choose the way that I choose. I'm going to preach the gospel and you're going to have to decide for yourself. But uh, autonomous means that I can choose for me and you can choose for you. I can take you with me uh, if you want to go. But this is not a carpool situation. I, I can't make you go to church. I can't make you live for Jesus. Uh, I can't take you with me. I, I, if you choose Jesus, you can't take uh, me with you. Come on. But if we choose Jesus, uh, then we can walk together on the road that leads to glory. Hallelujah. That is uh, autonomy. That is the uh, power to choose. I get to choose for myself. But uh, omnipotence is not the choosing. Omnipotence is the power of the choice. Uh, let me preach in here a little while because while God has given you the power to choose, he has not made you omnipotent. Yes, you are a free will, free thinker, and you get to choose, but you are not omnipotent in your choice. In our carnal minds, we like to think that the ability to choose gives me also the power to take out the consequence of my choice. And how many of you know people who ignore the consequence of their choice? It's because they've they have confused autonomy with omnipotence. Let, let me just tell you in a simple way where everybody can understand. In my autonomy, I choose one flavor of ice cream that is better than all the rest. Peanut butter. You don't have to agree with me. That's your choice. But my choice is to select peanut butter. Old-fashioned, hand-whipped, peanut butter. There is no other flavor. Now, if I was not only autonomous, but I was also omnipotent, I would not only choose peanut butter ice cream, but in my omnipotence, I would take out all the calories of the ice cream. Anybody with me? And I would then name it health food. And it would be on your keto list. Come on, somebody. It would be on your sugar-free list. Autonomy says that I can make the choice. However, I don't have the power to change the consequences of my choice. And one of the things that we do in our spiritual life, stay with me, is we believe that when we get to the crossroads and even when we finally choose the path, if, 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 even if we choose the path of curses, we think that we can take the curses out. 
we think that we can slide under the greasy grace radar and live like hell. Shout on Sunday. Speak in tongues. And then gossip and curse and talk nasty about everybody. Oh, you don't want to preach with me here. Because we think if I choose the curse, there's enough grace. Nobody want to help me. There's enough grace if I fornicate. There's enough grace if I'm in pornography. There's enough grace if I'm flirting with this lady on the internet and sending direct messages. Nobody want to help me. Uh, there's enough grace because I have autonomously chosen the path. And even if I choose the wrong path, in my limited, finite human existence, I somehow think that I have the omnipotent power to take the curse out of the curse. But I come by to tell you, you can't take the curse out of the curse because you are not omnipotent. Oh, and before you're self-righteous and elbowing and pointing at somebody else, you better look in the mirror for yourself. God is the only one who has the power to take the burden off of you and the curse off of you. And he did it when he sent his only begotten son to Jesus to the cross to redeem you for all the sin and all the mess that you would ever do. That's why the Bible said he for our sake became a curse. He he took all the curse. He went all the way down to the end of the road to the pit of hell. He took every curse that was ever going to be placed upon me. And then he walked it up back to the place called Calvary where he hung, where he bled, and where he died. And he told the whole world, I paid the price for everything. Every transgression that you would ever do, every path that you would commit in sin. Therefore, I tell, choose you this day whom you will serve. And John Joshua said, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Yes, you can choose sin, but you don't have the power to pull the consequence out. And look at all this free thinking we got today. All power belongs to who? The Bible said in Psalm 62, power belongs to God, not the government, not corporations, not your mother-in-law. All power belongs to God. And that means if it's his to possess, it's his to distribute. And any power you have in your life, it's because God gave it to you, which means if God gave it to you, he can take it from you. Nobody want to amen me here. He gave me a free will to choose. Choose to disobey him and the consequences of that choice lead to destruction. Choose to follow him and believe in his power and suddenly you'll be able to see what God can do in the miraculous way. I choose to believe in my autonomy. I choose to follow him. You don't have to give me 12 steps. I'm just going to go ahead and follow him. I don't have to anybody prove me through YouTube or Facebook and try to give me 12 points of why uh, this is that. I don't need all that because faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of the Lord. I, I love uh, everybody's perspective, but I can't live 
by man alone and bread alone. I have to live by thus saith the word of the Lord. I may not understand everything that God is doing or what he has said in his word, but if it's in his word, I can by my own autonomous choice say I choose to believe. Your family will think, well, you're too crazy going to that church and giving all you give and doing all you do. Oh, but I choose this day whom I will serve. I came to serve the Lord and I'm all in, brother. I'm all in, sister. I have a free will to choose and I choose to believe what the Bible says. Paul said in Romans chapter 1 and 16, I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ for it is still the power of God unto salvation. And I come to say to Bethel Family Worship Center, you and I have a choice to make. I don't care what everybody in the family's doing. I have a choice to make. I can do what the New Testament says. And the New Testament says, preach the word. Preach the word. Oh, I can just hope for the best and hope I make it. But I come to tell you, I I've recognized that God told me to preach the word. I didn't get up here this morning to preach to you Reader's Digest. I didn't come up here this morning to preach to you a current affair or to preach to you from the National Enquirer. I didn't come up here to tell you what the Republicans doing and what the Democrats are doing. I came to preach the word of the Lord and bring you a hope in the last day that we're in. We need a hope that'll take us out of here. We need a hope that'll rapture us in the time of his coming preach the word high five somebody and say preach the word have you have you maybe it's just me but have you ever recognized how encouragement has replaced the preaching of the gospel stay with me here Encouragement has replaced the preaching of the gospel. Now we are preaching wishing well sermons. Instead of pulling down strongholds and demonic activity, we're preaching wishing well sermons. I'm going to say that again. Instead of preaching the gospel, casting out devils, and operating in his power, we've decided in this new culture and time that the church of Jesus should just preach wishing well sermons. Instead of pulling down strongholds. But the Bible says, preach the word. It didn't say preach politics. It didn't say preach government. It didn't say preach personalities. It didn't say preach about Tina Turner. (laughs) Come on, somebody. And if you like Tina, God bless you. I'm not not preaching against or for. She's going to stand before God like you and I because autonomous has a consequence. Yay or nay. So I don't say rest in peace to everybody. Only God knows. 
Only God knows. I'm off my message. I'm off my message. The Bible said preach the word. So I didn't come up here to inspire you with a lecture or a good talk. I didn't come up here uh, to make you feel good about yourself. If the word cuts you, then we have done what the word said to do. And I don't care where you are, who you are. I wouldn't give a nickel for a word that don't cut me, that don't deal with me, that don't punch me in the gut and tell me to live right and do right. Oh, come on, somebody. I, I, this ain't the marketplace for that. You come to the wrong church if you just want a good talk. Oh, no, 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 no. The Bible said to preach the word. Why does the Bible say to preach the word? Because if you only lecture an addict, he'll stay an addict. If you encourage a sinner, he'll only feel good for just a moment. If you give words of inspiration to those who are weak and wounded and weary, they may forget about their troubles for a little while, but all those troubles will still be there when you're done talking, my God. But when you preach the word, you declare what Jesus did. When you preach the word, you declare what Jesus said. You're proclaiming the power over every principality. You preach the word, chains of addictions are broken off. When you preach the word, sinners become saints and washed in the blood of Jesus. When you preach the word, the weak are made strong. Hey, when you preach the word, slaves become sons and daughters. Hey! When you preach the word, the wounded realize I can mount up on wings of eagles and run and not be weary. When you preach the word, old things are passed away and behold, all things are become new. Look at your neighbor and say, preach the word. Lives are changed when you preach the word. Heaven rejoices when you preach the word. Sickness is defeated when you preach the word. Sin is conquered when you preach the word. We've had a limit of all this free stuff and all this wishing well stuff. Give me the gospel. In 2023, give me the gospel. You know who gets upset when you preach the truth? Sinning saints. It's the sinning saints. I just can't get with these people who are always negative. And sin lies at your door. Well, it's not what you say, Pastor. It's how you say it. Well, sometimes you have to cry aloud and spare not because you avoided the caution sign. You avoided the wrong way sign and you about to avoid the stop sign. What other thing do you want me to do for you? I, I got to hurry. Come on, somebody. Now, let me move to another verse. I'm going to jump over some stuff. 
we have to choose to pray. Prayer is a choice. I choose to believe God in prayer. Belief is the most powerful thing that you can do. To believe. God gave you the choice to believe in whatever you want to believe in. Amen? That's called inherent faith. Write that down in your notes. Inherent faith is a faith you were born with. You just inherited it. I have this inherent faith that God gave me that lets me choose whatever I want to choose. If I go to India and want to believe that cows are gods, I have the choice to starve to death while I worship a cow. That made every vegan happy in this place. Inherent faith is the choice to believe in whatever you choose to attach your faith to. And then the Bible said there's a faith that cometh. Faith cometh by the hearing of the word. And then there is a mountain moving faith called the gift of faith. I don't have time to preach that message. But belief is one of the most powerful things that you can do. And there are people who do not pray because they do not believe that their prayer will work. And then there are people who do pray but don't believe in the prayer they're praying. But here's what Jesus said. Whatever you ask in prayer, believe. And whatever you ask in faith believing, he will do it. Now, if you study all of that, you see that Jesus put his name on it. He said, whatever you ask in prayer, here's the certificate. It's a prayer certificate. Whoever asks, receives. Whoever knocks, the door shall be open. Whoever seeks, they will find. And he promised you that whenever you get to that point where you have to ask for something, as long as you ask in faith... Believing whatever you ask for, according to the certificate, (laughs) his word said he will do it. Whenever you come to a barrier, hear me church, and you need that barrier to be open. I'm preaching to somebody. If you knock on it in Jesus' name, that door has to open. And whenever you come into a season of need in your life, Whatever you're seeking for, in his name, you're going to find it. Why? Because he's already gone before you. He's already prepared the answer for you. His promise is just waiting on you to get there in your believing. My God. And all you've got to do is have faith and believe in the God who has promised you that he will do it. Because prayer is powerful. Prayer has the power to change your business. Prayer has the power to change your marriage. Prayer has the power to bring your children out from that far country and bring them home. Prayer has the power to reunite your family. Prayer has the power to drive sickness out of your body. Prayer has the power to revive a dead church. Prayer has revival to bring revival to a nation. Prayer has the power to move heaven to earth. You can pray believing in Jesus. 
Jesus Christ and believing in faith because the Bible said the gates of hell cannot stand against you. I not only believe in the power of prayer, I believe in the power of praise. And I come to tell the devil, he can't shut me up. He can't shut me down. I'm going to pray when I don't feel nothing. I'm going to pray when I feel something. I'm going to church when I don't feel nothing. I go to church when I feel something because I don't live by feeling. I live by Tell your neighbor, the Bible said three times the just shall live by faith. Three times. You don't live by feeling. If you have to feel saved to be saved, you won't be saved half the time. Some of y'all know what I'm talking about because you don't even feel saved till you've had a third cup of coffee. Don't nobody talk to me. Come on, I know us. I know us. All hangry. I believe in prayer and I believe in praise. I came here this morning to encourage somebody to make a right decision. The Bible says in Psalm 150, let everything that hath breath praise the Lord. It didn't say what kind of breath. It just said... Don't look at anybody. You need a testament. 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 That's why I put a mint. You look what they look what the greeters put up here for me. They either given me a sign or I've requested this mint. Because when I pray for somebody, I don't want to be my breath that knock them down. I want it to be the Holy Ghost. Look over at somebody and say, you need one, you need one. Let everything that hath breath praise the Lord. And there are some seasons in my life that I don't feel like my breath is good. Some seasons in my life, I, don't, I may have something on my breath I don't want him to smell. Nobody won't help me right there because, you know, but this is the 845 service. This is the sanctified bunch. You've been here early. Like Mary, you ran to the tomb early. You here. Sometimes I don't want him to smell my breath because I don't want him to know what I've been into. Nobody won't help me here. But let everything that hath breath praise the Lord. If you're breathing, you got a job to do this morning. Your job is to praise the Lord. You remember when Jesus was having a conversation with the woman at the well? And then Jesus tells her something that often gets skipped over whenever we see it. And I want you to see it right here. He said to her, the father is seeking. The father is seeking. And I want you to think about that because how can a God that can create heaven and earth in six days and yet he'll still be looking for something? He is not only autonomous, he needs no counsel. He's also omnipotent. 
all-powerful, omniscient, all-knowing, omnipresent everywhere at the same time. How could a God like that still be seeking for something? The one that can create all has a desire in his heart. The one who can create all things has a desire in his heart. Jesus said the Father is seeking those who will worship him. So when you start to worship God, you're giving heaven what it wants. <laughs> you're giving God what he wants. That's why you read in Psalm 100, I'm taking time this morning, where he said, enter into his gates with thanksgiving and enter into his courts with praise. And I know we like to shout right there and we like to say, go ahead, lay it on me, string bean. We like to hear that because it makes us feel good. But you gotta understand something about the terminology that is used in this scripture. When he said gates and courts, because gates and courts are legal terms. Gates are the boundaries of your provision. You can't go beyond the gates. It's the boundary. You can't come past the gate. It is a boundary. So gates speak to the boundaries of provision. And courts are where the judge sits. Come on, somebody. I'm just trying to give you a, a word picture for you to understand. Here on this earth, if I go down the Marion County Courthouse and I go in, you, you will go in with a complaint. You will go in and say, I protest, I protest, I protest. Uh, somebody tried to build a shed on my property. I, <clears throat> I come to protest. They mowing their, mowing a one inch into my yard. I come to protest. Come on, somebody. I, I come with a complaint. I come to, uh, uh, to, they have crossed the line. I am here to protest to the judge inside this court. Uh, here on this earth, that's what you do. Your honor, I pro test. Uh, you don't ever go in there in the court here on earth and say, judge, you're looking good right now. You, you're looking fashionable. If you lost 50 pounds, you're looking fabulous today, judge. Uh, you don't approach the earthly court judge uh, with compliments. You only bring complaints. Come on, somebody. But in a heavenly court, if you want to receive a ruling from on high, <laughs> and you want to talk to the king of kings and the lord of lords, uh, then you don't go in to protest uh, you go in with a praise. You come in praising. You come in saying, oh, I was glad when they said, come, let's go to the house of the Lord. We enter his gates, the city, with thanksgiving, and we come to his courts with praise. I'm trying to teach somebody. That's why Isaiah said in Isaiah 60, and you shall call the walls of your city salvation and your gates praise. He was trying to teach me how to enter. He was trying to teach me how to live my life Monday through Friday where I'm not always down and depressed and always need somebody to give me a chill pill to help me out of my dilemma. Whenever you complain, you are distancing yourself from God. Whenever you praise him, you are drawing closer unto the Lord. That's why David said, I will bless the Lord at all times and his praise shall continually be in my mouth. Look at your neighbor and say, stop that complaining. We've heard enough.
You talk too much. You complain too much. You need to be praising God. How could David say, I will bless the Lord at all times? Anybody know what all times means? All times. When you're up, when you're down. When you're in, when you're out. When you got a hangnail. David said, the reason I can say this is because praise is not a feeling. Praise is a fact. Write that. Praise is not a feeling. Praise is a fact. Somebody need to write that song on that. You see, when you praise based on how you feel, there are days you don't feel like praising. There are days you feel like hiding in the bed. There's days that you say, I, I just don't know if I got it in me. But let Publishers Clearinghouse show up at your door. You'll be dancing, won't he do it? 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 Yes, he will. You're now praising Publishers Clearinghouse. That's their check. Because the guy next to you, your neighbor, don't have a reason to praise the Lord because he didn't get the check. Mm. That's when you praise based on feeling. Mm. When you praise based on fact, you say from the rising of the sun until the going down of the same, his name is to be greatly praised. It don't matter what's happening here on planet earth. It don't matter what's happening in our government. It don't matter what's happening in our world. It don't matter if everybody's cuckoo for Cocoa Puffs. Circumstances can change over time, but God is still on the throne. And as long as he's on the throne, help me praise him. I'm going to go ahead and praise the Lord with everything that I have. I praise him because the fact is he is greatly to be praised. I praise him because because it is he who made us and not ourselves. I praise him because I was once bound, but now I am free. I praise him because when we were stained with the curse, his blood washed me clean. I praise him because when I was lost, he found me and redeemed me. I praise him because he deserves it. The fact is, he spared me and brought me a mighty long way. I come to praise him for the goodness and the mercy that is following after me. I come to praise him because favor is making a way for me. I come to praise him because every weapon formed against me will not prosper. Somebody ought to praise him. Give the Lord a shout of praise. Give the Lord a shout of praise in this house. I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. You may be seated. Praise is not only how I get into his presence. 
Praise is how I endure this life. Have you ever had the Holy Ghost just move upon you in the shopping center? You're like, oh. King Hawaiian buns. Look at the Lord. He got me in this. He's a bread of life. <laughs> Sometime the Holy Ghost will just move on you when you're a praiser. Praise is my lifestyle. Praise is a lifestyle. Somebody said, you praise him too much. You don't know what I went through. To have the praise I have. I was at death's door, but he put something on me. His favor and his will and his blessing. So praise don't just get me, Brother Butch, you don't just get me into his presence. It gets me to a place where I learn how to endure this life. And wasn't it the word of God that Jesus said, he that endured to the end, the same shall be saved. And the thing about endurance is there's nothing comfortable that comes with it. And oftentimes our pride, we want to make endurance about what we can take. But when you understand the principle of biblical endurance, hear me, it's not what you can take, it's what he took from you. When I realize what he took from me, that's how I praise. Come on, it's not about what I can take. I'm a man and I can take it. It's not about you, boo-boo. It's what he took from you. Oh, yes. So praise is how you endure. You look at Brother Job. Job had a day that would cause anybody to give up. As a businessman, his business was ruined. As a married man, his marriage was on the outs. His wife said, why don't you just curse God and die? Well, how encouraging is when your wife tells you to die. You're just dead. There's not much encouragement. Some of you are in that relationship right now. In Jesus' name, praise your way through it. I didn't say praise your way out. Because you were looking for every word the pastor said. Try to hang it up on him. He said, no, praise your way through it. As a father, his heart was broken in a million pieces as he just received news that all his children had died in one day. Lost his business, lost his marriage, lost his children all in one day. If that be any of us, and I'm being honest, we would lose our mind. If all of that happened to us in one day, we lost our business, we lost our marriage, we lost our children, lost everything that was dear to us. In one day, all of us, I would dare say, would lose our mind to get hit with it all in the same day. But the Bible said that Job endured it. He endured it, and the Bible said that he saw the goodness of God in the end of his life greater than anything he'd ever experienced in the beginning of his life because he learned how to praise. Oh, we like to celebrate him at the end. Woo, look at God, gave him double for his trouble. Look at God. But the Bible said that he endured 
and he saw the goodness of God in the end. But how did he get through it? Believe me, I'm glad that there's an ending. I'm glad that God will pronounce a benediction. In fact, he's the only one who can pronounce a benediction over your situation. Why? He said, I am the author and I am the finisher of your faith. He's the only one that can put an amen at the end of your life and the end of your situation. I come to encourage somebody. He's the only one that can put punctuation at the end of a sentence in your life and declare to you it is over. So if you are breathing today, it's not over. If you are here today, it's not over. If you're alive today, it's not over. I'm glad that there's an ending, but I want you to know how you get through it because most of our life. We're just living our life hoping to make it from day to day. But Job said in Job 1 and 21, the Lord gives and the Lord takes away, but blessed be the name of the Lord. He learned how to praise God when he was up and he learned how to praise God when he was down. He learned how to praise God when things were good for him and when things were not good, when people treated him well and when people treated him rough. When he lost everything, he said the Lord gives and the Lord takes away. The Lord gave me a business. The Lord gave me a marriage. The Lord gave me a children. The Lord gave me his goodness. He gave me all these blessings. I don't know why he did. I don't know why he blessed me the way he did and then the Lord took it all away because he's powerful. He had to go through all of that. Job said it's not my man. I don't know the mind of God. I don't know what God is up to. I don't know but it's not my job job to know why God took it. It's not my job to understand everything that God allows to happen to me upon planet earth. But my job is just to say thank you Lord. Thank you Lord. Thank you Lord. Blessed is the name of the Lord. Blessed is the name of the Lord. Blessed is the name of the Lord. I want you to stand on your feet this morning and I want you to declare blessed is the name of the Lord. 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 Come on, say it with me. Blessed is the name of the Lord. I want our prayer team to move to the front if they will and stand across the front. All of our pastors and ministers, prayer teams, counselors, all of our deacons and leaders everyone. Here's how I want to close this service today if the Lord will help me. I want everyone in this place to raise one hand in prayer. And you don't have to raise it too high because you're going to have it up for a minute. But I want you to raise one hand in prayer. It is the hand of God. It's identifying with Him in prayer. Hallelujah. And then I want you to take the other hand and I want you to lift it in praise. And just for a moment, I want you to lift your mouth, lift your, uh, your, your eyes to God and open your mouth and I want you to begin to give God, pour your heart out to the Lord. Thank him for your church. Thank him for your family. Thank him for that land he gave you. Thank him for all that he's doing in your life.
I believe in this room today, there's some folks that owe God some thanks. I believe in this room, there are some people who owe God some thanks. Don't take for granted what he gave you. One hand in prayer and one hand in praise. Come on, take a few moments and begin to open your heart. Pour your spirit out. Lord, I'm sorry I complained. I complain about my health all the time. I complain about this and I complain about that. I'm sorry, Lord. But today I praise you. Come on. I praise you for your goodness. I praise you for your mercy. I praise you for your healing. I praise you that you spared me. I praise you. Come on, give him glory. Give him honor. Praise him in the spirit. Praise him in the Holy Ghost. Use your prayer language and praise him. Praise him with a song. Praise him with a shout. Praise him with a mouth of gratitude. Yeah. I want to praise you for everything that you have blessed me with. I want to thank you that I am healed. I thank you that I am free from sickness. I thank you that I'm delivered. One hand with prayer and one hand with praise. just a moment I'm going to ask those of you that need prayer to come you believe in God for something supernatural in your life but before we do that I want to pray over this body would you join me with your hands still in a posture of prayer and praise Heavenly Father today in this worship center I thank you that as we enter into your gates with thanksgiving and come into your courts with praise that we're receiving answers in this place and I thank you in faith believing that marriages are being restored in this place, that businesses are being blessed in this place. I thank you that destinies are being shaped in this place. I thank you that as the men and the women of God, a people of faith, are calling upon you, that you are answering them and you are moving mountains for them, that you are causing the enemy to flee from them, that you are silencing those that accuse them, that you are physically and supernaturally working right now inside their body, 
right now disease is defeated in this place sickness is defeated in this place in the name of Jesus because the king is in this house if you need prayer come forward let us anoint you with oil as we sing come on praise your way praise in this place go right back into it come 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 on let God anoint you today and touch you whatever the need is Thank you for listening to this podcast from Bethel Family Worship Center. 